Hey everyone, this is Mark Ruffalo, and you're listening to News Coup with Public Herald. One does not necessarily allow the state to define what is legal. Now, the state has the power to enforce a certain concept of what is legal, but power doesn't imply justice or correctness even. Throughout American history, the political leaders have always exhorted the American people to be nice and quiet and leave things to them. But when very serious evils confronted the American people, they had to go beyond the congressmen and the senators, and they had to commit civil disobedience, and they had even to break the law. This is News Coup, a Public Herald Studios production where we overthrow the status quo. I'm your host, Joshua Pabanek, Editor-in-Chief at Public Herald, and today is episode 16, where we find out where the radioactive sites are that governments kept secret since the beginning of their 2016 study. Maybe I'm not clear on what you're asking for. Are you... You have a list of facilities where you have taken samples. So you want to know the location of every sample that was taken? Right, yes. I don't believe there is such a list, but I guess the question, I mean, if that's something, you know, that's something we can try to look at what we have and it's and see what it would take to you know compile something like that um i but i mean we don't we don't actually have that i mean it's it's i i guess we're not clear we're not clear what that information how that helps you i mean i'm not sure what you're trying to do and you don't have to tell us what you're trying to do but well i mean i think once i have the list then maybe i could be a little bit more specific that you know, I would like, you know, the data collected from this facility or that facility. That was a Public Herald recording from a phone call in 2014 where a source is talking to Kim Childs from the DEP and trying to get the information that we're releasing today, which are the names and locations of where DEP studied the radioactivity from fracking. Now, 2022, we can finally unveil the names and locations of those facilities and find out just how much they matter to the public. And it's important to keep in mind that the story today is dealing with sampling results that were not taken in 2016, but rather were taken in 2013, studied, and then released in 2016. So we're almost 10 years into not knowing what the results are to date and relying on the results we had in 2013 with an industry who's been dumping this waste in these places um, ever since then. This story would not have been possible without the continued support of our patrons at Patreon. And I want to thank the new patrons who just signed up this month. Svetlana, Catherine, William, Jim, and Clement. If you've been listening to News Coup or you're new to the program, please consider supporting this work. It takes a long time for us to dig through these records. It's very expensive. Anything that anybody can give um, goes a long way for our team at Public Herald. And you can do that at patreon.com slash public herald for as little as a dollar a month. If you do, you'll get access to exclusive interviews um, like the one that we're going to release this week with Earth Justice Attorney Megan Hunter. That hour-long interview will be accessible to any patron of Public Herald, and we dig into the legal possibilities of T-Norm 
for states like Ohio and Pennsylvania and whether or not you can sue under the Clean Water Act, what that would look like, and other potential legal possibilities that aren't getting much airtime right now. For 2022, Public Herald is going to continue with the T-Norm series. We're going to get pretty grainy about the details happening at the private facilities across the state who are treating T-Norm, about the results that we're seeing from different studies that are happening across the state, and from a court case that Public Herald is involved in uh, where the state is trying to stop a township, that is Grant Township, from banning this radioactive waste in their community and stopping it from being dumped underground into an injection well where it threatens their water supply. Two people at Public Herald have been deposed in that case by both the attorneys of the DEP and the oil and gas attorneys who are working together to try and stop Grant Township from enforcing their home rule law that bans this practice. That story can be found in our documentary, Invisible Hand, where we cover the rights of nature movement and communities struggling to deal with the impact from corporations, especially oil and gas corporations. If you haven't seen that yet, it's currently playing at the Wild and Scenic Film Festival up until January 24th. After that, it will be at the Colorado Environmental Film Festival. Both places have excellent films available. I highly recommend you go in there to check it out, but you can also find it at invisiblehandfilm.com. For today's story, the lead author, Jay Conley, is actually a senior in journalism in Virginia and is doing amazing research and work on this T-Norm issue and quickly becoming one of the premier authors on T-Norm. He and another Public Herald intern, Elijah Labby, took the data that we got from DEP, compiled it into these spreadsheets, checked everything off, made this map, and have created a tremendous asset for the public in regards to where this radioactive waste is in the state right now and what information the state has and has not acted on. With that, we'll hand this episode off to Jake Conley, who's going to read straight from the story, uh, beginning with the title. We found the names of radioactive waste locations that government kept secret. Radioactive oil and gas test sites uncovered and mapped by Public Herald. For about six years, the Pennsylvania Department of Environmental Protection, the DEP, has obscured the radioactive hazards of oil and gas operations. Ever since the 2016 release of its study on oil and gas T-norm, technologically enhanced, naturally occurring radioactive material, the DEP has kept the names and locations of where radioactive waste was detected a secret and told the general public there was little to worry about. The question is, does the radium in the raw data tell a different story? When the department chose not to release the names of the 144 locations tested in the 2016 study, it blocked the public's ability to make place-based, local decisions about potential threats from T-Norm. Now, for the first time, all 144 names and locations are being released by the team at Public Herald. 
we've mapped the landfills, centralized waste treatment facilities, publicly owned treatment works, zero liquid discharge facilities, brine treated roads, well pads, and their test results for radium from the DEP's study. For Public Herald's analysis, we focus on radium, RA226 and RA228, because it is federally regulated for its health impacts, highly soluble in water, and a lead indicator of T-norm contamination. The DEP's T-norm analysis tested the following elements, uranium-235, uranium-238, radium-226, radium-228, thorium-232, actinium-228, lead-212, bismuth-212, and potassium-40. Using the T-norm study interactive map, the public can finally see the locations Pennsylvania officials withheld. Knowing the location of specific radium results from the DEP's T-norm study is critical to evaluating the health impacts of oil and gas radioactivity in studies like the one currently underway by the University of Pittsburgh Medical Center. The DEP's T-norm study's locational data was released to Public Herald by the DEP in July 2021 following a right-to-know request and a subsequent appeal to the Pennsylvania Office of Open Records after the department provided Public Herald with an incomplete set of information. Public Herald has been investigating T-norm, a radioactive waste product of oil and gas operations, since 2011. Pulling up the blinds on the front line and downstream impacts and the government and industry actors that allow and encourage their proliferation. Public Herald's Pennsylvania T-NOR map provides the premier interface with which to visually review the radium data from the DEP's T-NOR study. Our team organized all 144 locations tested into six categories, each represented by a unique icon on the map. When hovered over, icons on the map, corresponding to the legend, will provide the name of that facility and a sample of that specific facility's radium data. The Layers button in the top left of the map window allows the user to add an overlay of Pennsylvania's watersheds, which are shared with neighboring states and communities downstream. The bottom of the map also has a link to the full data set containing all data on radium collected during the DEP's T-norm study. This spreadsheet is composed of four sheets, accessible by tabs at the bottom of the screen. One for the three kinds of wastewater treatment facilities, CWTs, POTWs, and ZLDs, one for landfills, another for roads that received, quote, beneficial reuse, end quote, brine treatment, and one for well pads. All sheets contain the full data for radium tests at every facility or location where measurements were taken for the study. The Real Story on Radioactivity when the DEP released its T-norm study in 2016, it told the public, quote, there is little potential for harm to workers or the public from radiation exposure due to oil and gas development, end quote. In September 2021, at a legislative policy hearing on closing the state's loophole for radioactive oil and gas waste, 
DEP Oil and Gas Deputy Secretary Scott Perry stated, I don't think any other state has, has done more to monitor and address this issue. But while safety and due diligence are the messages the DEP continues to push, the reality of public herald investigations from the DEP's own data is one of mass contamination of the environment and risk to Pennsylvania's drinking water and public health. Though oil and gas waste contains hazardous materials, most of it is exempt from hazardous waste law by the EPA. T-norm from oil and gas operations is also not covered by other regulations governing radioactive material either, including the Federal Atomic Energy Act. In spite of the lack of proper regulation, oil and gas waste contains radionuclides like radium-226, a cancer-causing element with a half-life of 1,600 years among other radioactive materials, like uranium and lead-210, which the industry has known about for over 50 years. The EPA's maximum allowed concentration of radium-226 for safe drinking water is just five picocuries per liter. Many of the results from the DEP's T-norm study, including ones for waste being dumped into rivers, greatly exceed the EPA's safety standard. What the T-norm study raw data shows is that Pennsylvania's citizens are living among larger quantities of oil and gas radioactivity than officials have let on. After analyzing the DEP's radium test results and locations, here are some of Public Herald's major takeaways. Centralized Waste Treatment Facilities, CWTs. Across Pennsylvania, there is a system of facilities that take liquid waste from fracking sites and theoretically clean it, stripping out all harmful contaminants. However, the T-norm study data shows that treatment facilities are not often removing even half, or in some cases any, radioactivity before fracking waste is discharged to rivers. The key facilities guilty of this are Centralized Waste Treatment Facilities, or CWTs. CWTs are facilities owned by private companies, such as Eureka Resources, who are permitted by the state and federal government to treat and, quote, clean fracking waste in-house. But in reality, most CWTs are not doing the job, and some are actually making the waste hotter. At three facilities in the DEP's T-norm study, oil and gas wastewater tested higher on average for radium levels after treatment. At two facilities, treated waste tested over 200% higher on average for radium than before treatment. McCutcheon Enterprises in Apollo, Armstrong County, and Covanta in Newcastle, Lawrence County. Only five CWTs were able to remove on average over 50% of the radioactivity and only two out of 11 facilities managed to cut down radium on average by more than 90%. That means that radioactive wastewater coming in is still radioactive after treatment and being discharged to rivers at levels far above drinking water standards. And it's all being permitted by the DEP.
Out of the 11 CWTs tested in the T-norm study, five discharge effluent, quote, treated waste directly into waterways. Another five are permitted to send their effluent to POTWs that discharge into waterways. The final destination of effluent from the last facility is unknown, but it could be going to injection wells for final disposal or to other companies for industry reuse. This information is based on the Pollution Discharge NPDES permits issued by the DEP for each of these facilities and is not included in the DEP's 2016 study. DEP's T-norm study itself states, quote, radium was routinely detected in all sample types with little difference between influent and effluent or between filtered and unfiltered results, end quote. Effluent is the, quote, treated final product going out of treatment facilities. Influent is the raw wastewater coming in. However, the DEP has buried this fact from its press materials about the study and failed to study the impacts occurring as a result of their findings. For context, the EPA noted in its own 2018 study on fracking that, quote, CWT facilities treating oil and gas wastewater and discharging to surface waters have direct and measurable impacts on downstream surface waters and sediment, end quote. Throughout 2022, Public Herald's T-Norm investigations will continue showcasing how and where CWTs are failing to control radioactivity from fracking waste. Publicly Owned Treatment Works, POTWs. Publicly owned treatment works, such as local sewage facilities, face an identical problem as the CWTs, according to the DEP's data. POTWs are the publicly owned complements of CWTs and are permitted by the DEP to discharge treated wastewater such as stormwater, sewage, and landfill leachate. POTWs that accept oil and gas waste containing radium-226 and radium-228 theoretically dilute the radioactivity, but it is not actually removed, a situation that experts say leads to radioactive legacy pollution. Since both radium-226 and radium-228 are water-soluble, these radionuclides leach out of oil and gas waste sitting in landfills after it rains, creating a new liquid waste stream called leachate. According to Public Herald reports, nearly all landfill leachate in Pennsylvania is sent to POTWs that, in most cases, cannot filter out radioactive material before discharge to public waterways. The EPA confirms this in its 2018 study. Quote, Treatment processes at POTWs are not effective at removing all types of pollutants in oil and gas wastewater. End quote. The raw data from the DEP's T-norm study confirms this as well. The POTWs tested in the DEP T-norm study that are accepting oil and gas wastewater only lowered the radium content on average by 9.3% to 69%. Even though Reynoldsville POTW in Jefferson County was able to lower radium by 69% on average, its effluent waste for discharge still contained 138 picocuries per liter of radium. Reynoldsville discharges into local streams, Sandy Lick Creek, Pitch Pine Run, and Soldier Run. 
What's worse, the level of radium and waste being discharged to the Clarion River by the Ridgeway POTW in Ridgeway, Elk County, nearly doubles after treatment, increasing radium by 98% on average compared to the waste coming into the facility. The POTWs tested for the TNORM study that are not accepting oil and gas wastewater are discharging the lowest amounts of radium on average, with the exception of Mid-Cameron in Emporium, Cameron County, which is discharging treated waste that is hotter than the raw waste coming in. While some radium levels are lower after treatment at POTWs, the problem is identical as with CWTs. Wastewater exiting the facilities is more radioactive than safety standards allow. In the TNORM study itself, the DEP recognizes a visceral environmental impact from POTWs that accept oil and gas waste. There is a radiological environmental impact to soil from the sediments from POTWIs. POTWIs are facilities that accept oil and gas waste. But again, the DEP buried this lead in its public statements about the study. Megan Hunter, a senior attorney with the environmental legal firm Earth Justice, explained in an interview with Public Herald how one lawsuit against a POTW and CWT in Ohio illustrated the way this wastewater shuttling system can easily break down. The salt alone um, from this type of waste can really just wreak havoc on a wastewater treatment plant um, and wreak havoc in a way that takes months to years um, for the facility to even begin to clean out uh, the destruction caused by this type of waste. The centralized waste treatment facility was violating its user permit, and it was also then discharging to the publicly owned treatment works and causing it to violate its discharge permit. Zero Liquid Discharge Facilities ZLDs. The threat of radioactive harm continues even at facilities not discharging wastewater effluent, in this case, zero liquid discharge facilities. The raw data in the DEP's TNORM study is yet again clear. ZLDs are radioactive waste sites. The data shows ZLDs, which use distillation and chemicals to process fracking waste for reuse, often clocking levels of radioactivity in the thousands of picocuries per liter. And even though they aren't discharging waste into waterways, the waste is trucked along public roads to other sites. Out of the ZLDs tested in the DEP TNORM study, half of them failed to remove even 50% of the radium from oil and gas wastewater on average, and two outputted waste even more radioactive than what came in. Filtered waste at Hydro Recovery ZLD in Blossburg, Tioga County, showed an average 7.4% increase in radium. Elevated results there reached an average 11,800 picocuries per liter. Also, filtered waste at Reserved Environmental Services in Mount Pleasant, Westmoreland County, increased over 10% in radium on average while at the facility, to an average of over 5,000 picocuries per liter. The DEP's TNORM study states, quote, 
radium was routinely detected in all liquid influent and effluent sample types with an approximate 50% difference between influent and effluent, but little difference between filtered and unfiltered results. End quote. Landfills Across the landscape in Pennsylvania, the mapped radium data shows DEP permits have created mountains of radioactivity in the form of landfills accepting thousands of tons of oil and gas waste, some within close proximity to homes, neighborhoods, school districts, and other municipal areas, and the radioactivity increases by the year. Dr. Julie Weatherington Rice, a soil scientist and adjunct professor for Ohio State University, is clear about the danger of these mountains and state-sanctioned practices pose. This is a permanent reactor near your house, and it will always be a reactor because it, the, the waste got pooled together. And it will make as much radon and radium today as it will tomorrow and the next day, and the next day, and 30 years from now, and 100 years from now, and 500 years from now. While it's a naturally occurring material, when you concentrate it, you create a reactor. The TNORM locational data also reveals that the DEP has allowed three landfills to discharge highly radioactive leachate directly to streams. For the TNORM study, the DEP identified nine landfills that had taken the largest amount of oil and gas TNORM waste the year before. Of those nine, the DEP targeted three for additional sediment sampling because they discharged their leachate effluent directly into the environment. Those three landfills their leachate effluent results from the TNORM study, and the streams that the DEP allowed them to discharge radioactive leachate to are outlined below. Stream names were pulled by Public Herald from facility NPDES permits, which were not included in the TNORM study. McKean County Landfill in Kane, McKean County, discharging 378 picocuries per liter of radium-226 to Little Sicily Run. Green Tree Landfill in Kersey, Elk County, discharging 136 picocuries per liter of radium-226 to Little Toby Creek, and Seneca Landfill in Evans City, Butler County, discharging 123 picocuries per liter of radium-226 to Conaconessing Creek. The combined radium levels in leachate from the top oil and gas TNORM landfills by volume, according to the DEP at the time of the TNORM study, range from 29 picocuries per liter at Northwest Landfill in West Sunbury, Butler County, to 422 picocuries per liter at Evergreen Landfill in Blairsville, Indiana County. For a previous investigation, Public Herald asked the DEP where the leachate from each landfill accepting oil and gas waste ends up but so far, the department has only disclosed where 34% of it is going. The destination of the remaining 66% of leachate remains unknown. Why? 
the DEP is not tracking how much T-norm is leaving landfills and being discharged to waterways through POTW facilities. The DEP says this transaction is, quote, private between the two entities, the landfill and the POTW facility. Despite the DEP's data pointing to ever-increasing cumulative T-norm concentrations in landfills and leachate, Pennsylvania continues to build these T-norm mountains and allow leachate to be discharged to rivers. Hunter, the Earth Justice Attorney, told Public Herald, You can look up and down any water body and you have dischargers violating their permits all the time. And agencies get to basically pick their enforcement priorities and who they're going to go after and bring into compliance. In Pennsylvania, this means that the DEP has the discretion to prohibit companies from discharging radium over five picocuries per liter, but instead they are choosing not to include that level of protection and allow high levels of radium to enter waterways via leachate. Road locations. Brine, another liquid waste from oil and gas operations, has historically been spread on roads across Pennsylvania as a dust suppressant and de-icer, creating yet another pathway for radioactive oil and gas waste to potentially harm the environment. The T-norm study test results are broken into two categories, quote, road bias soil, and quote, reference background road. Theoretically, the background samples are meant to establish a baseline level of radium to compare with road soil samples from areas where brine has been spread. Unfortunately, the background samples are largely useless and cannot be used as a baseline comparison for roads with known brine treatment because the, quote, background sections of road could have been treated with brine as well, as the DEP notes in the T-norm study. Quote, the average excess radium-226 for roads identified as having been oil and gas brine treated is 1.13 picocuries per gram, compared to an average of 8.23 picocuries per gram on the background reference roads. One possible explanation is that all of the roads have been treated with oil and gas brine. End quote. Because all road soil and background samples from the T-norm study are from areas of potential or known spreading, we focused on the combined radium results as a whole, which ranged from less than 1 picocurie per gram to over 74 picocuries per gram. For context, the EPA recommends that radium-contaminated sites are cleaned up until there is only 5 picocuries per gram left in soil. According to a study from the University of Pittsburgh, the risks communicated to the public about the 2016 T-norm study were misleading, since the DEP did not communicate or accurately calculate the safety of residential exposure to radium around brine-treated roads, and instead relied on limited, quote, recreational exposure. Looking at the implications of the use of radioactive brine on roads, the scientists explain that if radium is concentrating at levels as high as results for radium in the DEP study, such as 60 picocuries per gram, Pennsylvania residents living in and around those roads could be exposed to a level of radium that far surpasses national safety standards of 100 mRM per year. 
Though the exposure in one instance may be insignificant, the UPIT study also states, regular use of brine on roads could lead to an accumulated exposure for those nearby that could exceed levels considered safe. Well pads. Oil and gas well sites produce several types of waste, all of which can contain T-norm. Out of the well sites surveyed in the DEP's T-norm study, the average level of radium-226 in drilling fluids was 2,990 picocuries per liter. In fracturing fluid, the average level was 5,287.81 picocuries per liter. And in flowback fluid, the average was 8,489 picocuries per liter. Solid T-norm waste arriving at landfills from well pads drilling into the Marcellus Shale detected radium levels from fracking waste drill cuttings as high as 13 picocuries per gram, more than 2.5 times greater than federal guidance permits for soil remediation, 5 picocuries per gram. However, in an analysis of the T-norm study, nuclear physicist Martin Reznikoff suggests that the DEP could have manipulated the data. Quote, it appears as though cuttings from lower emitting outlier wells were selected for sampling or that the average was brought down by non-Marcellus shale cuttings. The DEP results are completely out of line with measurements by the USGS and measurements by NYSDEC in 2012 of rock cuttings from Susquehanna County, Pennsylvania of Cabot Oil and Gas Company from a Marcellus shale well. High radium-226 concentrations of rock cuttings transported to a Niagara County landfill, up to 204 picocuries per gram radium-226 and two train carloads of rock cuttings were returned to Cabot Oil and Gas Company." End quote. Knowing the levels of radioactivity coming out of specific locations from the T-norm study, helps us understand who may be at increased risk of exposure near these particular well sites. But Pennsylvania has hundreds of thousands of oil and gas wells, some of which are leaking. According to the DEP's 2020 annual report, Pennsylvania has over 30,000 active wells, 12,096 documented orphaned and abandoned wells, and approximately 200,000 undocumented orphaned and abandoned wells. Historically, Pennsylvania has allowed companies to bury drill cuttings on site and hold liquid waste in pits that have leaked into soil and groundwater. All of these sites likely contain some measure of radioactivity, as noted by the industry itself. In 1982, the American Petroleum Institute commissioned a report which states, quote, Almost all materials of interest and use to the petroleum industry contain measurable quantities of radionuclides that reside finely in process equipment product streams, or waste. It is reasonable to consider all oil and gas sites, whether for production or waste disposal, contain radioactive material." End quote. The amounts, and many locations, of all this radioactive oil and gas material are still unknown. Meanwhile, Pennsylvania continues to permit new oil and gas sites by the hundreds every year.
DEP's systematic failure. The DEP's 2016 T-norm study is proof of a state-sanctioned system whereby radioactive oil and gas waste is shipped around the state to accumulate within communities, contaminate the environment, and put public health at risk. But let's not forget that the DEP study is not the whole story. There is a growing body of data from other sources that reveals the ubiquitous nature of the radioactive threat from oil and gas. For example, in October 2020, Harvard University researchers found that airborne radiation is higher near fracking sites, sometimes 40% higher than background levels for those living within 12 miles. Pennsylvania State Senator Katie Muth had a simple name for the DEP system for dealing with oil and gas radioactivity. In an interview with Public Herald, she called it, quote, organized crime. With the release of this map, we at least have a better idea of where it's being, quote, organized. Unlike the watered-down conclusions made in the DEP's public relations, the raw data from the department's 2016 T-norm study tells a dangerous story that is echoed by Public Herald investigations since 2011 an audit of the DEP by Pennsylvania Auditor General Eugene DePasquale in 2014, and conclusions of Pennsylvania's 43rd statewide grand jury report in 2020, all of which prove that, for over a decade, the Commonwealth has ignored and failed to address the inherent dangers of radioactive oil and gas operations. According to Megan Hunter at Earth Justice, Parallel problems exist at the national level and across other state agencies and governments. In 2019, um, EPA issued, they did the review and they again determined that everything was fine. We don't need any new regulations. But one thing that they cited to in that determination again and again was you know, this, this lack of data um, regarding harm done by oil and gas waste um, and regarding radioactivity in oil and gas waste. Uh, so, you know, that's something that, that we're hearing again and again by agencies and they've used it as an excuse for failing to do anything. When Hunter looked at Public Herald's TNR map for this report, her reaction was simple. There's just so much work to be done. Thank you for listening to another episode of News Coup. If you stayed with us the whole time, we hope that you subscribe to us on any of your favorite podcast channels. And if you can, try and leave us a rating there. Uh, it really helps to get these shows moved around and get this story at the forefront of what's happening to the environment and to the climate you know, from a substance that's going to last 1,600 years in our environment. And also, if you haven't yet, find us on YouTube. Go to youtube.com slash public herald um, because we're going to be releasing some new episodes new broadcasts from news Coup on that channel and you're not going to want to miss that and if you have questions about t-norm or comments you can find us on twitter at public herald or you can try and email us through the website our team is always looking for new tips new stories from people who are in this field um, workers who may know information that we don't know um, state officials who know information we don't know 
Uh, we're here to listen and protect you as a source and get your story out there. And today's story was made possible by our T-Norm team. We had Jay Conley as the lead author, myself and Melissa Troutman as the editors. We had contributions from journalist Elijah Labby, contributions from Manasvi Bantua and Theon Lee, the new film interns at Public Herald Studios, photojournalist Nina Berman. We heard music from Heavy Color from the Invisible Hand soundtrack, and this podcast was engineered by the wizard Andrew Geller. Thank you for listening to another episode of News Coup. I'm your host, Joshua Probanek, and we'll see you at the next story.